from the creators who brought you RuPaul's Drag Race and Million Dollar Listing. This is World of Wonders Wow Report. Things that make us go wow. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's edition of the Wow Report, where we count down the top 10 things of the week that make us go wow. That is James St. James, our um, host of our podcast, Night Fever. And also joining us this week is Blake Jacobs, who's filling in for Tom Campbell, who's just ping-ponging all over the world at the moment. So he's currently in Chattanooga. Um, yeah. Hi, Blake. Hi. And me, Fenton Bailey, co-founder of World of Wonder. Oh, we're on a, a new time, right? 5 p.m. on the West Coast, 8 p.m. on the East Coast. And is, do you think this is part of just moving you later and later until you're, like, somewhere in the graveyard shift and then, like, <laughs> you're not on the air anymore? Is that, like... I feel like we're the party starters, like, on the West I, Coast. I think, we're, I think we're finally ready for prime time is what it is. Okay. Yeah. On the West Coast, you're on your way home to start your weekend. And sure. on the East Coast, you're getting ready to start, to start your weekend. Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. I'll buy You're pre-gaming it. is what you're doing. You have us on <laughs> while you pre-game. Exactly. Taylor Swift is on her way. Uh, all right. Let's start at number 10. Number 10. Yes. I went to see Lisa Frankenstein. Have you guys heard of this? Yes, of course. Cole Sprouse or, or Dylan Sprouse? Which is the Sprouse voice? I think it's Cole. I think it's Cole too, yes. Either Zach or Cody. It didn't Dylan like kind of step out of the limelight. He's back. Dylan is in a new movie as well coming out this week. And so we'll talk about him next week. Okay. Well, this was directed by Diablo Cody. It's set in the 80s. It reminded me a lot of uh, Edward Scissorhands, kind of. Okay. Not a bad thing. No, or like Encino Man, where they find, you know, a person from out of this world or not of this time. or A fish out of water scenario. Exactly. Um, but you sort of have to explain what the pun is, I think, to our old to older generation. Okay. Lisa Frank was slash is, I guess. It's kind of coming back now. But Lisa Frank is a brand Super bright colors, neon, oh, 80s. Remember, everybody in the 80s and 90s had a Lisa Frank backpack, a Lisa Frank, you know, yes. crayon set, uh, stickers. She was stickers. big on stickers and glitter and just bright, bright, bright colors and ponies and unicorns and, and folders for school, trapper keepers yes. mainly. Yes. Right. So, this is a Frankenstein version with lisa frank not really it doesn't it's just a play on the names it's just like an 80s telling of so lisa frank in this sense kind of means 80s of frankenstein um i like it is it a documentary is it a feature film what is it it's a it's a horror film film. it's a it's a campy horror film set in the 80s with a female frankenstein am i correct sort of no, no. It's the female is actually Mr. Hyde, I guess. Okay, okay. Zach so or Dr. Jekyll, Dr. Jekyll and Mrs. Hyde. Yeah, she like finds a a zombie guy who is Zach or Cody, whichever color Dylan Sprouse. And, you know, they, spoiler alert, fall in love. I mean, you can there see There was a it. cute z- zombie love story, I remember, a few years ago with Nicholas Holt. Yeah, Warm Bodies. Warm Bodies. God, that's one of my favorite movies of all time. 
but it just seems like it's been done before. I don't, you know. It, this has not gotten good reviews, I will say that. A lot of people were excited about it, and then when it came out, everyone sort of trashed it, well, which is sort of is the Diablo Cody arc, I guess, of everything she does. There's buzz about it, and then it it sort of falls into right. the Right, yeah. I didn't hate it. I didn't love it. You know, like, it was that or whatever. So I, it was interesting that it, it didn't even beat, like, it didn't top the box office. It was beat by the other movie that's right, whatever. I don't know. Well, it's a shame because I do love those that little Cole Sprouse. He is he's fun on talk shows, is what he is. Yeah. Um, the second movie I saw that I really did like is the voy the last voyage of the Demeter, which is a horror movie. It is okay. So you know, have have either of you read the book Dracula? Absolutely. Absolutely. Love okay. it. I had never read it. I was talking to James he about not, it. He doesn't know anything about Dracula or Frankenstein or the Bride of Frankenstein. I grilled him about this day. Never seen any of them, ever. Well, yeah, I just thought, like, by the time I came about, like, those... Don't even know. Don't give it. I'm so young. People <laughs> my age don't watch horror films like that. We watch things from the 2020s. No, we watched, I thought, like, Silence of the Lambs was scary. Like, I did not think that, like, zombies and vampires or whatever. Anyway, the the Demeter is, there's a part in the book where, very briefly, Dracula is on his way from Romania to London, and the captain's logs are what, the whole book is told, I guess, through letters, and the captain's log is this part where he's on his way from Romania to London, this whole movie is just about the voyage of that ship. Because doesn't he get out of his coffin on the boat? Right. Slay. When, when the boat docks or when they find the boat, it's a ghost ship and there's nobody on it because, yes. yes. Exactly. I loved this movie. Um, I thought I would give this definitely like a B plus and it's streaming now on Paramount Plus. You're so generous. A B plus. Oh my God. Well, it was really good and it led me to watch Bram Stoker's Dracula from 1992. James and I were talking about this the earlier. Gary Cole, yeah, Keanu Reeves, Winona Ryder, Gary Gary Oldman, yes. Yeah. Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant movie. One of the best yeah. costume designs of all time. So I watched that last night, and just to see, because Stephen, my roommate and best friend, he loves, he's read the books, he's loved the movies, so he had kind of had As to explain. most people do. <laughs> <laughs> well, he kind of had to explain things to me, but I would give this one a B plus. Yeah, I liked it. Even though like James and I were talking about like CGI versus like act practical effects, because the effects from 1992, which was 32 years ago now, are a little subpar. Well, then don't watch it. the 1939 version. <laughs> Please, whatever you do. I have a feeling, and I'm not going to be able to land it, which is that the Demeter is the name of a spaceship in a sci-fi movie, and I can't remember which one. Oh, I don't is know it like Aliens or it something? It might be Alien or something else. But um, it is uh, actually... Steven mentioned Alien and how similar this movie kind of was to the plot of Alien, the movie. Well, I guess, yes, because it is a li- Yes, right. 
Well, there is an actual spaceship uh, called Demeter that is orbiting the, the planet right now, a, a satellite. It's like calling your your spaceship the Titanic. You wouldn't want to do or, it. Or ch- calling your child Damien. And saying there you go, exactly. Right. But it's a beautiful name. Demeter, Damien, Titanic. These are gorgeous names. Prometheus. Uh, yeah. yeah. You know? Yeah. All right. Well, that's the last voyage of the Demeter. Any other movies? That's no. it. Lisa Frankenstein is in theaters. The Last Voyage of the Demeter is on Paramount Plus, and you're going to have to rent Bram Stoker's Dracula. Got it. I love it. Three horror movies. Fantastic. Thank you. Number nine, James. Number nine. Trailer Park. Two trailers dropped this week that I want to talk about. The first is uh, Deadpool and Wolverine which uh, debuted, and within 24 hours, it became the most viewed trailer ever with 365, 367 million views what? in 24 hours. And that was uh, just the first 24 hours. Since then, it has gone on to just do gangbusters. It's absolutely go- bananas. I love Deadpool. It is my favorite Marvel property. I think Ryan Reynolds kills it every time. I love him so much. I love the fact that he just gets to go bonkers with the script and play with it and do whatever he wants. I'm very excited to see this one. The other one, however, is Wicked. And we saw our first glimpse of Wicked. And I wish Tom was here because I got some problems with it. And he <laughs> would be a little ray of light and and, and make it all better. But, <laughs> but we don't have Tom. We've got James St. James. And I am upset. First of all, I'm upset because, you know, they split the movie into two parts. There's part one and part two, and that never works for me. I don't understand it. I think if you're a good screenwriter, I think if you're a good director, you can get it to three hours. You just can. There's no reason why you can't have it throughout. Yes. Argument against that. I will not see a movie if it's three hours. But will you go see part two if you're just "Eh," about part one? Because I, you are the target audience here and you're going to hate part one. So you're never good. Part twos never work. Nobody ever goes and sees them. And the big problem is you're going to end part one with Defying Gravity, the big song. The, the only reason you go, dying by Defying Gravity, and then Fate to Black, boom, you have to wait two years for the rest of it. And you've already, you've already shot your load. You've already shot your wad on, the, on the, big, the big number. So where do you go from there? Number two people are saying that Cynthia Erivo and Ariana Grande are not teenagers by any stretch of the means. You can't imagine them as young girls. But then if Tom were here, he would say that Stockard Channing was in her 60s when she played Rizzo in Greece, and nobody gave a fuck. So that's not a big deal. Um, my really big problem here, though, and was what we were just about to talk about with the last topic, um, is that it's all just a CGI crap fest. And, you know, it's weird that in 1939, they built a more beautiful Oz than what CGI can can give us. And as we saw this year with Barbie, when they built actual sets for Barbie, and the Barbie, Barbie is not CGI. It is all the dream houses, the Barbie town village. Mm. Everything was just Babes. a feast for the eyes. It was so visually gorgeous to look at and if you're going to spend a billion dollars on a movie why do you have to spend the billion on the cgi why couldn't they have built us a gorgeous oz to see so those are my problems are did you have you guys seen either of these trailers yep i haven't either but i am excited to see wicked i know steven my roommate bestie he is obsessed with wolverine and deadpool 
So he's mostly excited about that. Me, I'm excited to see Wicked because, I mean, James, we were talking earlier about how I discovered Dracula and Truman Capote this year. So the next thing I'm going to do is, like, actually know the story of Wicked. Okay. Well, I, yeah, I, you know, like I said, Deadpool is my favorite. I also love Venom. Those are my two, those are my two go-to Marvels that I just can watch endlessly on a loop. So um, I excited for both of them. I will be there first day for both of them. So there you go. All right. You can see the trailers for both of those at worldofwonder.net slash wow report. Number eight. Number eight. You know, James, following on from what you're saying about real versus CGI. I'm reading a book <clears throat> Filter World. And I cannot for the life of me remember the title of this book. I've been planning to talk about it all week. And I keep on thinking, what is the name of that book? What is the name of that book? I've sort of forgotten it again and again. Anyway, it's called Filter World. And I'm not sure that that's a bad title, but the subtitle really nails it. It's How Algorithms Flattened Culture. And mm. it's by the, by Kyle Chaika. And his basic idea is that algorithms are sort of making everything the same. One of his sort of most compelling examples is the idea of coffee shops, that people go and set up their laptops and access the internet. His argument is that they all now look the same. They all have... All the coffee shops look the same? Raw wood tables, exposed brick, hanging Edison light bulbs, marble tops. This sort of sameness began in a pre-internet era with, like, airports, which were sort of, you know, no places, non-places. But that that idea is spreading thanks to algorithms and the internet culture where everywhere ends up being sort of the same. Um, because like Airbnb is another example he gives. Like Airbnb started out as like, you're going to go and stay in someone's house. And that was going to be a quirky, bespoke experience or a unique experience. It was like more like couch surfing. But now it's become much more sort of high end and there's almost like a template for what an Airbnb should look like. It should be sort of in slightly industrial, slightly mid-century modern, not too cluttered. And you're not in someone's actual home. You're in someone's home that they bought to use as an Airbnb. Yeah. Does this have to do also with the fact of like these home renovation shows where everything ends up being the beige, you know, the beige backsplash with the with the gray walls and the and like how everything, all of culture is itself just becoming sort of. Well, I feel like it's not really the HGTV shows. It's more the people that buy the houses that do. Well, they want to do the safe thing, something that everyone resell. yeah. Yeah. But so algorithms are is a way of getting the most, um, I guess, information out to the people. And so you have to sort of flatten it. You can't be edgy, I guess, is sort of. I think way that's it, it. it's a sort of um, globular like consensus of the global mind that we're all being fed algorithms all the time. Right. So we're in an echo chamber, which he says is sort of degrading our capacity for original thinking and sort of dissuading you from original thinking and slightly pushing you towards what everybody else is doing yeah and i mean i haven't i haven't finished the book and 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 in the in the book this guy decides to take an algorithmic cleanse which i don't know if i'm going to be able to stick through that because yeah. you know 
your job precludes that. There's no way on earth you, you, Fenton Bailey, can tune out and drop out. And it's like that, but it's also like books against television. You know, I I think I've always found books that are like Jeremiah's about popular culture or technology or modernity. They're just print-based, bigoted screeds. But, it, but and, in fact, you end up reading them all. You 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 fall for the clickbait every time. Even there you it's, go. It's clickbait. It's irritation the book culture as, is an algorithmic product, right? Yes, that, that, it's outrage that, culture. They know that yes. it's going to outrage you, so you end up buying it and you end up feeding into it. I get the and book. Then, I buy the book, and now I and then I go on Radio Eddie and complain about it. <laughs> you regurgitate it to our listeners. Yes, exactly. Yes. But there was some, there was some neat ideas in it. Like he talks about airspace, which he says like a Nike sneaker for its geographically neutral comfort. This sort of idea of bland banality that is sort of style-ish. Or I think in one of the Airbnb guides, it recommends that you you show personality in your house, but not personal items, which is sort of personality is a thing. Oh, I've got personality. I'm a little quirky, as opposed to genuinely personal, intimate, who you might be sort of thing. So I, it's kind of it's kind of an interesting idea. He, he tells this hilarious story about in 1770, um, some guy trying to impress Mary Antoinette's mother designed the Empress to Therese of, of Austria-Hungary. Yes, I believe so. Hungary, You're right. Yes. Thank you. You know your empresses so well. <laughs> um, he designed a, a device called the Mechanical Turk, which was basically a chessboard, a computerized chessboard that could beat any human. And the, the trick of this computerized chessboard in 1770, there was a little person hidden inside <laughs> who was actually doing all the moving and other stuff. <laughs> and what I didn't know is that, well, Blake, you'll know that the drive at World of Wonder is called the Turk. And so I reached out to Tommy Wolf. I said, Tommy, is that why the Turk drive at World of Wonder that holds all our data is called the Mechanical Turk? Because is it named after this? And he said, yes, all the drives at World of Wonder are named after famous robots. And Um, all of our vans are. Our vans that we bought, like the minivan is Wally. And then we have uh, Bender and Flexo, who are from Futurama. Those are our cargo vans. I, I learn something new every day. Huh. And, and and the book is by Kyle Chaker, and it's Filter World, How Algorithms Flattened Culture. All right. All right. Um, you can't spell February without Rue. It's February. <laughs> new episodes of RuPaul's Drag Race Season 16 and... RuPaul's Drag Race UK versus the world every Friday this month. So on Wire Presents Plus, of course. That's right. And I have a question. Uh, Both of my questions are related, but you'll find out later in the show what they have to do with each other. The team that wrote the music for Disney's 1989, The Little Mermaid, Ashman and Mencken, also wrote the music for this mid-80s hit musical turned film from 1986. What was it? Oh my gosh! All right, musical turned film from 1986. All right, well, we'll have the answer right after the break. Counting down the top ten things that made you go wow. You're listening to World of Wonders Wow Report. Things that make us go wow. 
Welcome back to the Wow Report. I'm Fenton here with James and Blake. We're counting down the top 10 things of the week that make us go, wow. And, oh yeah, Blake, you had a question for us. I did, I did. The team that wrote the music for Disney's 89 film, The Little Mermaid, Ashman and Mencken, they also wrote the music for this mid-80s hit musical turn film from 1986. What is it? Gosh, is it Les Mis? Is it Chess? Nope. Is it Miss Saigon? No, no, no. I have no freaking idea. 1986, 1986. I can get this. Is it like a Disney I, I thing? But that, but that was a movie. It wasn't a musical, yeah. was it? It was the Little Shop of Horrors, of course. Oh, well, that was. But yes, you're right. That was a musical turned into a movie turned into another musical, and it was a movie turned into a musical. Remember, there was the 1950s Jack Nicholson version. Oh, right. yeah. Well, and, did the, and the musical was 86, or that was yeah. the movie. Oh. The movie was 86. The movie was 86. With I remember Murray. seeing the musical in 85 uh, with Musto. It was down, It was off, off Broadway. Yeah. It was down in the East Village, wasn't it? Uh-huh. Yeah. Like on 14th and 2nd or something like that. Right. Well, mm. I watched it on my family's big satellite that went... Suddenly Seymour. Yeah. Oh, God. Somewhere that's green. Oh, God. I could just sob. Uh, now we need Tom to sing oh, to break into song. There is a Dis- there's a Disney Plus doc called Howard, which is Ashman's first name, and it's out on Disney Plus now. If you want it, want it, if you care more to know more about them. Mm, okay, all right. We're counting down top ten things that made us go wow. We've reached number seven, Blake. Number seven is everyone in their Joanne era again. What is that? The first. Joanne era was, of course, Lady Gaga's Gaga in her mom hat, yes. Which was followed by pop stars doing country albums like Kylie Minogue and Miley Cyrus. And now Lana Del Rey and Beyonce are doing their own. Oh, yes. Beyonce has that the second part of the Renaissance trilogy will be country and the third will be folk or something. What is the third one? Well, that, I was going to ask you guys. I didn't know there was going to be. I didn't know that they had already announced the third one. I know the yeah, first. The first is Deep though. House and Queer House, and the second is Country, and the third is something else. I think it right. might be. Yeah. Yeah. And these are up, but she says that she is not touring for her country album, that you're going to have to come to her, which probably means a Vegas residency at the Dome is what people are speculating. Um, well, there's also speculation that, um, you know, she announced this. Uh, during the Super Bowl, like right mm-hmm. around halftime, which we'll speak about later. But um, she released two singles, Texas Hold'em and 16 Carriages. So, and I've read that she's the first black woman to top the country charts. Um, it's also rumored that Taylor. Swift, what about Lil Nas X? He's not a woman. <laughs> okay. He's a lady, <laughs> but he's not a woman. <laughs> Uh, it's rumored that Taylor Swift may have a feature on the album. They asked. We've the heard producer, that, I've heard that she might be covering Jolene uh, oh, as well. Really? Uh huh. Well, well, yeah, because they both, you know, supported each other at their AMC concert. Yes, film. It, yes they Beyonce showed up for the Taylor movie on the red carpet. Yes, so yeah. there is. There, there's obviously something in the works. I would. Well, Killa B. He is a producer for Renaissance. 
and he said if Taylor would feature on Renaissance too, he said, let's just say Beyonce's on the approach of shocking the world. So. Well, Killer B was just on The View this past week, and he's a, quite a nice guy. I actually enjoy, I, I like him a lot. I think he's a good guy. Oh, Hardly, good a kill a kill at all. Hardly a killer at all. <laughs> exactly. Well, that's all I got for Hot Topics this week. I mean, I'm just waiting on Renaissance Part 2. Have you guys heard the singles? I have heard one of them, yeah. Do you I, like I, it? I, okay, I'm the contrarian. Country just leaves me cold. I've never understood it as a genre. Well, as a, as a Brit, you aren't supposed to. It's, okay. it's a strictly American form of uh, art. And so... Uh, <laughs> well, and art is used loosely now with today's country and the bro shit that, like, ugh. Yeah, but I think um, uh, what's your name, Benton? Benton, <laughs> I think if I sat you down with some Patsy Cline and some old Johnny Cash and some you know Tammy Wynette and stuff like that, I, th- I think Tom could give you a thorough right. tour. Okay, you would end up enjoying. So Blake's gonna do together. Bram Stoker and Mary Shelley, and I'm gonna do some country deep diving. Right? There I just go. didn't. I just didn't get it. I was like, why is she doing country? But of course. Yes, if it's Renaissance and there's going to be another genre, I don't, I don't know. Um, Renaissance. Renaissance. Okay. Okay. All right. All right. James, number six. Number six. Uh, I started watching Expats on Prime. Do you know about Expats? I do, but I have not watched it. Should okay. I? Okay. It's Nicole Kidman. I saw that there's a big ding dong on Oh My God blog from this show. I haven't gotten there yet. But it's oh, probably yeah. it's probably Jack. Um, uh, what's his name? Me off. Uh, what? Jack me off. No, <laughs> girl. Can I please start? Well, can we can we can we just all start over again without we this? Start the whole show over. Digression <laughs> here about ding dongs and <laughs> for fuck's sake. Okay, expats on Prime, starring Nicole Kidman. Okay, and Nicole Kidman is uh, a wealthy woman living with her husband and two children in Hong Kong. She's icy. She's a little cold. She does what Nicole Kidman does so well, right? Foie um, yes. She's, um, it seems that she's height, that she's, she's, she's grieving or she's lost. There's, there's something that has happened, a recent tragedy in her life. And we come to find out that she's lost a child, little Gus. Little Gus is dead. And she is throwing a party in the first episode for her husband, a 50th birthday party. And everyone keeps saying, it's too soon, Margaret. It's too soon. It's too soon to celebrate. You can't do it. You aren't ready. You aren't ready. And she says, no, no, no. And she puts on this green velvet gown. And she's got this little bob, this little orange bob. She looks so chic. And she puts on one bangle and looks just divine. And she's at the party, right? And there's a... Uh, it's crowded and, every, and it's sort of a, the, the, the party's sort of bombing, but there's a server and there's a young girl, a young Asian girl, and she's uh, serving and all of a sudden she looks around, she looks around and she sees the pictures of the family. She sees Nicole, she sees little Gus, she sees the family's name and she drops the tray and she's like, oh my God, this is the boy that I killed, the boy that I killed. And Nicole from across the room sees her and she says, what are you doing here? You can't be here, you can't be here. And she runs up and the 
the girl runs out into the kitchen and she grabs another server and she's shaking her, saying, what are you doing? What are you doing? And they're like, Margaret, Margaret, it's not her. What is wrong with you, Margaret? And have you lost your mind? And this girl's like screaming, I don't know what you're doing. I don't know what you're doing. And this is like the first 20 minutes of the series. And so uh, the girl runs out of the building and she's sobbing like she can't believe that she was in the house of the people that she killed. And everyone is saying to, to poor Margaret that it was too soon. You, you're obviously losing your mind. Poor Margaret, poor Margaret. Then the next episode is a flashback into how little Gus died. And we see him on a yacht. There's a party on a yacht. And he's running to and fro. And everyone's like, where's Gus? Where's Gus? And obviously he's going to fall over any second. And the girl, she says that she's they're going to be the new she's going to be the new nanny or something. I don't know, I don't know. But anyway, it's 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 Nicole Kidman doing what Nicole Kidman does best, and she has little fabulous outfits, and she's got and she plays a you know a, a waspy, a chilly waspy woman. And then uh, I guess we don't know what happens next. Well, well, I there's, there's I think there's six episodes out now. I th- there were four episodes when I started watching, so I think they come in up in, in a series of two. So I've seen the first two episodes. Well, spoiler alert: <laughs> there's going to be a big ding dong coming up. <laughs> well, it's um, what's his name? Um, hold on, you, we're gonna have to stop. He's like stop Houston, everything. I think. Jack H- Danny Houston, Jack Houston, Just- Jack, I think. Jack Houston, who is so handsome, and he plays one of the he plays a fellow expat and uh, one of Nicole's um friend's husband who's cheating and he's uh he's sort of hot he's he's a bad guy but he's a hot bad guy is that the ding dong blake Uh, okay i'll send you guys pictures all right oh i see so we're making a uh an allusion to the size of something a size (laughs) of a ding dong i guess are you no you know are we talking about a row are we talking about um a body part. Oh, his ding dong, his penis. You are talking about. I see. I thought you were talking about a controversy and an argument. <laughs> a controversy. All right. Okay. All right. That's expat streaming on Prime. Uh, I no. just uh, wait. Hold on. I'm seeing the penis. Hold on. It's not opening. It's not opening. Oh, Blake just sent us the link so we can take in the ding dong. Oh, he's naked. Ben Hur and Boardwalk star Jack Houston. Scrolling down. God, he is so handsome. Yeah. Oh, okay. It's kind of dark, but I'm not really. Oh, I've already seen. We've already seen his ass. Yes, getting out of the shower. Oh, there you go. There's the ding dong. All right, should we go to number five? Oh, okay. there it is. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> number five. Okay. Number five. Do you know, this is a Blake question, do you know what the American Dialect Society word of the year was in the end of 2023? Oh, uh, no, I don't. I know it was vaccine one year. No. no, the word of the year was N-shittification. N-shittification, <laughs> which immediately makes you think, oh, this is one of those poop segments they do on the Wow Report all the time. But actually, it's not. Um Corey Doctorow, who was a Boing Boing blogger and is a principal member of the EFF, the Electronic Frontier Foundation, or the Electronic Freedom Foundation, one of those. Anyway. Wait, from Boing Boing, right? Is that what you just said? It is, yes. Yes, okay. He came up with the word enshittification, which is the pattern of decreasing quality of online platforms that act as two-sided markets. So, for example... Uh, 
Amazon, right? Amazon gets you because it offers you, you can buy books or things really inexpensively and it's super convenient. And then Amazon introduces Amazon Prime subscription, which encourages users to shop more with Amazon. And that then brings more suppliers and people who make things to Amazon. So now Amazon has got the customers on the one hand buying stuff and they've got the sellers on the other hand selling stuff. And then what it does is it basically cuts both off at the knees. And um, this is what he calls by engineification. It's called, he calls it platform decay. He says, first, they're good to their users. Then they abuse their users. Like B&B and Airbnb. Yeah. Right, to make things better for their business customers. And then finally, they abuse those business customers and claw back all the value for themselves. And then they die. And that, or, or Twitter going to X, yes, yeah. or or HBO Max, yes, yeah. all so much is shitification. He's got a yeah, shitification. He's got another word too. Well, not a word. It didn't create this word, but twiddling, which is the continual adjustment of the parameters of the system in search of marginal improvements of profits for the platform owner. Which lead the twiddling leads to the unshedification because and uh, uh, invariably you twiddle too much and you yeah, everything and, falls right you unshedify by twiddling yeah 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 which is um, which is the the HBO Max and the X um uh, factor right I mean he says it's you know uh, X it's Facebook it's Amazon it's Meta it's, yes it's yes pretty uh-huh. much everything and. I'm not quite sure what the solution is. He did have some solution, but I I didn't quite get that far. But I thought, um, but it seems to me that that because I was wanted to do a segment about um when brand you know the branding failures of the last like four or five years, right. and it seems like the list just grew too long. <laughs> it would have to be a whole hour episode. What was do. that? Um, what was that? That streaming service that was like Qbert or something. Oh, Quibi. Yeah. Yes. Quick it was supposed to take over the world. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like Snapchat was, you know, yeah. Right. Oh, Snapchat. Yeah. Like MySpace. <laughs> <laughs> Friendster. <laughs> right. Right. Um, should we take a break? Let's. Uh, hey, Queen. Streaming exclusively on World of Wonders platform, War Presents Plus. Let's hope it's not doing any enshitification. <laughs> Don't put it in the universe. I'm not going to do any twiddling. Johnny McGovern sits down with the eliminated queen from each week of RuPaul's Drag Race season 16 for a tell all revealing interview. And of course, you can also watch Fashion Photo Review. It's back, tongue tied, bring back my girls. International versions of Drag Race, like um, Brazil. Yes. Espana All-Stars. Espana yes. All-Stars. The first international All-Stars. All that and so much more at WhyPresentsPlus.com. Blake, do you have a question? I do. Now, remember, these will all tie together in my next segment. But who was the first host of A Current Affair? The tabloid journalism show, which was the first of its kind. But quickly was followed by hard copy and inside edition. Who was the first host? Oh, my God. Uh, Okay, we'll have the answer right after the break here on The Wow Report. You're listening to World of Wonders Wow Report. Things that make us go wow. Welcome back to The Wow Report. Fenton here with James and Blake. We're counting down the top 10 things of the week that made us go wow. (laughs) 
Blake, you had a question. I did. Um, who was the first host of the tabloid television show, A Current Affair? Well, I want to say it was Bill O'Reilly. He was Inside Edition. Or oh, RPG. okay. Would it Joe Dunleavy? Nope, not Joe Dunleavy. Diane Diamond. Nope. He's also married to Connie Chung. Oh, I was Maury Povich, of course. Yes. Of course, it's Maury Povich. I remember it well, like it was yesterday. Yes. In fact, because I was um, very good friends with Maury and uh, Connie's daughter, Susan Popich. She was a big scene girl back in the 80s. We would have dinner with with Connie and Maury all the time. Well, we should have Susan on the show. She runs a lobster rolls shop in Brooklyn, I believe now. Hmm. We should have her on Night Fever. There we go. Yes. All right. All right. We're counting down the top 10 things of the week that made us go, wow, we've reached number four, Blake. Number four. Now, when I say 1989, at least for the time being right now in this moment, lots of people will probably think of Taylor Swift's birth birth year or the album of the same name that she just re-released recently. But I just watched this. It's five years old now, but it's this documentary made by National Geographic called 1989, The Year That Made Us. And 1989, maybe you guys haven't thought about this, but it was, in fact, a monumental year. It was a monumental year because that was the year that I was going out with Carlos. And it was just one of the greatest years of my life. I will never forget it. It was it was the red zone and the world. It was uh, that's number two on my list right here. But yeah. Uh huh. But a young Michael Aleg was conquering the club scene Mm -hmm. with his club kid uh, retinue. But Fenton, you this there was a lot of things from your book Screenage available Screen. wherever both books are sold. Right. That like paralleled with this documentary. For one, like the Menendez brothers, that happened in 1989. Oh, did it? Yeah. The Batman. Oh, the, with the Joker. Sure. I remember standing in line opening night with um, right. The documentary is six episodes, but they're only like 20 minutes each. So really quick. There's, you know, Tiananmen Square in Beijing. That happened in 1989. The fall of the Berlin Wall happened in 1989. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down those walls. Right. And to bring it in, to bring it back around, the, the Berlin Wall, ABC had people there. CBS had people there. NBC had people there. Well, Rupert Murdoch was the conglomerate behind A Current Mm -hmm. Affair. And whenever he loaned Maury Povich and another uh, correspondent from A Current Affair, his private jet, to fly to Berlin. And there's a famous photo of a guy with a pickaxe. Sure, sure. Yes. Standing on top of the wall, right. The correspondent that was there with Maury Povich actually got that pickaxe from like a fire station there and was picking at the wall, and the guy asked to hand it. So it was a correspondent from A Current Affair that handed the guy the pickaxe that was seen all around the world. So just like lots of... Tell me, though, I want to know what were the big songs of 1989. I remember Mentirosa. Remember Mentirosa? Oh, I I know Toy Soldier by Martina. Okay, sure, yeah. what, What about Pump Up the Jam? Huh, I think that was 86, 87. Okay. 
Um, yeah. It was the year of the Simpsons. Oh, of course. And Tracy Ullman show. Yeah. Uh-huh. There was an episode about the three biggest branding things that happened in the world that changed the earth as we know it in 1989. And they the were Simpsons. the Simpsons, the Little Mermaid, and Batman. So that's what has to, that's why I asked. Oh, Batman. And Batman. Yeah. You know, um, Buster Move, the young MC. Oh, yeah, yeah of course. Yes. Yeah. And that was my um, first tape. Love Shack. Which so, was, but yes, a young RuPaul was on the rise. Right. Like a prayer. Madonna. Like a prayer. Um, yeah. Because the next year Vogue came out. Uh huh. Yes. And, um, let me see. Oh, Father. Remember, there's so many songs from that album. Oh, my oh, God. Yeah. Oh, favorite hit. She Drives Me Crazy. The Fine Young Animal. Me the, the, the sound of that snare drum on She Drives Me Crazy. I just, you know. Have you ever danced my... with the devil in the pale moonlight? Remember Prince <laughs> singing for Batman? Oh, right. Yeah, the Batman. No. Well, Batman, the... yes. I would totally recommend this documentary, and you can even stream it for free on National Geographic. Almost. But here's my question: Why, like, why 1989? I mean, the year that made us. Every year made us. Come on, every year. It's true. Year. I mean, you could do this for 1986. You could do it for 1978. It's a franchise. Yeah. Well, you'll have to watch the show for their argument. Okay. So that's what you're binging now, and you're binging 1989. The multi-part documentary series streaming for free, apparently, on that National Geographic. I watched it on Hulu, but yes. Oh, okay. All right. Uh, Number three, James. Number three. Sadly, I was correct when I uh, predicted uh, (laughs) Jon Stewart, his return to television was going to uh, be a bomb. I've been angry with him since 2015 when he- uh, uh, bringing your resentment back to the- No, but it's true. We've talked about this where in 2015, he had the voice of the world and he quit. He walked away from his TV show, handing the presidency to Trump. He he was derelict in his duty. He 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 should have put. He was tired of his show, and he walked away at the moment we needed him the most. Now he's back. He's doing Monday nights on the Daily Show, and people are furious with the first episode. I don't know if well, you've been online today. No, people oh are up in arms. They are taking to the streets. They are. I mean, just what? The, anger, the outrage because he spent the entire time bashing Biden about his fucking age. Mm. He did no, he, once again, he is working against, if you remember in 2015 and 2016, he hammered Hillary about the emails over and over and over and over again. He has the ear of, of, uh, you know, liberal college students. And he, he, the, his Hillary bashing was, was infuriating. And now he's doing the same thing. I hate to hold you to account, but the last time we talked about this, you, you said that he caused Trump to win the election by leaving his show. But That's what I'm saying. He's... His dereliction of duty. He right. walked away from it when we needed him the most. Now right. he's back and he's doing the same thing. He's doing both sides of them. And he spent the mm. entire time talking about Biden's age in the same week, if you recall, that CNN did one of their shows mm. saying that um, equating Joe Biden's age with uh, Trump's 90. They said, which is worse, Joe Biden being old 
or Trump having 91 counts against him. Like what? How, what is this sort of false equivalency? The New York times this week, yeah. did a story saying that it was, his age was the same thing as Trump saying to, he would distance himself from NATO and allowed um, Putin to uh, attack whatever yeah, country right. they want. How can you put these same things together? And how, how dare John Stewart feed into this narrative instead of pounding on the things that Biden has done. He's feeding into the narrative that one guy is old and that's worse than Trump being an evil, you know, megalomaniac uh, dictator in waiting. And Um, it's the power that that he has and he's both sides in it. Like why, why does everyone feel the need? Why does CNN feel the need to both sides it? Why does the New York times feel the need to do it? And now why does John Stewart need to do it? We need, we, we can't afford to be this idiotic. I think that's very well said. And I was just so thrown and appalled by that Department of Justice thing about a. Oh, I, it's just like it, it, it's like Comey. It's like what Comey yeah. did. It's what it's what Bill Barr did. It's it's the same things where they 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 know what they're doing, and he, instead of giving a two page uh, document, which is what they did for um, Pence, they mm-hmm. gave it was a two two page. He did three hundred pages of Biden bashing. Mm. Of course, that's what the media is going to pick up instead of two pages with what, what they gave to, to Penn. It, it is very like, bizarre and very scary. And yeah. I'm with you a thousand percent. Moving on to talk about things of lesser importance, perhaps. <laughs> Number two. Number two. When was the last time anyone really cared about who was on the cover of Vogue? It's, you know, you it might have been a while ago, but there seems to be a lot of attention paid to Edward Enfield's goodbye cover of on UK Vogue, which features 40 diverse women. It didn't pop the way he wanted it to. It didn't, but that's the thing. But everybody's in sort of ecstasies and say how marvelous it is. I was reading one of several articles saying, describing this as some sort of masterpiece of planning, which I'm sure it probably did take a lot of people you know, Once you get Oprah and Jane Fonda and and you know Kate Moss and and Miley Cyrus on on the same cover and not do that thing where you have twenty here, twenty here, and twenty here that you Photoshop together, you know that they really were together is a feat. Were they? I was going to ask that. But what if they were together? But to what end? And what was the point? I, I I suppose perhaps the fact that the promise of them all being in the same room, having a mega celebrity super clusterfuck, was was in of itself magnetic and drew. But, you know, we do this every year with the Oscar luncheon where they take that one picture of everybody from the, all the Oscar nominees together. And it's, it really, you know, a couple of months ago, they had that, all the supermodels together. I don't know if you remember that Vogue cover. And that to me was a little exciting, but to me, this was just like an odd mishmash of, of nobodies and somebodies and people that I cared about and people I don't care about. And, and what was the purpose of it? And it, to me, Edward Enifel, is being groomed to take over American Vogue. I think that's that's what it is. Yes, I, I, I think in a way it's a huge feather in his cap. Yes. And it's all about him because the yes. cover itself does not pop. It's very bland. Yes. And uh, Trey Spiegel, you know, who who's written for the Wow Report, pointed out that if you look at it, the picture, the arrangement of the women is a natural V shape, which just points <laughs> to Oprah in the middle. But you kind of have to look really hard to see the V. In fact, so hard he actually scrolled it in in red so you can see it. <laughs> but 
And then all all the women were in neutral colors, like sort of black and bone and beige, too, because it was all about them, their personalities, rather than the clothes. I I just I call bullshit on the whole thing, and and, and then it only took fifteen minutes to get the shot, and they think that that's somehow remarkable because it was so well planned, and everyone arrived in fifteen minute intervals, and then when Oprah arrived, she got a standing round of applause. I just say, oh, for God, it, it's so Marie Antoinette. It's so sort of Versailles-like. I, it I, is. It is. It's a little like uh, that sort of self-congratulatory, like we're all fabulous yeah. and famous. And I mean, not to take anything away from Edward Enifel, because his his stay at British Vogue has been pretty fantastic. And right. his covers, you know, when you think of that Adele cover and the late some of the Lady Gaga covers and things right. like he's done some really amazing stuff. And his, his he manages to to do inclusion in a way that doesn't feel forced. Yes. And uh, he is sort of a breath of fresh air on the magazines. And all those women had been on one of his covers. Yes. Oh, okay, okay, sure. And so, yeah, it, I, I felt that ideologically it was unimpeachable, but just the end result was kind of uh, unremarkable. It, it, was just, it was sort of, it was going out with a, a whimper instead of a bang, basically. There you go. That got spun up into a bang. The whimper that got spun into a bang. <laughs> Three new flavors of House of Love. Now, here's a bang. Three new flavors of House of Love cocktails are available at houseoflovecocktails.com. Vodka, soda, citrus, passion fruit, margarita, and a totally tropical mocktail. J'adore. Available at houseoflovecocktails.com. That's correct, yeah. Well, I think I'm going to be in the office tomorrow. Maybe I'll, I'll smuggle some out in my um, in my pants. Absolutely. <laughs> Have a little party tomorrow night. Yeah. Um, We'll take one more break. And when we come back, reveal the number one thing this week that made us go, wow. Wow. You're listening to World of Wonders Wow Report. Things that make us go wow. All right. Welcome back to the Wow Report. I'm Fenton here with James and Blake, who's standing in for Tom. And we've been counting down the top 10 things of the week that made us go wow. And it means that we've reached that point where we reveal number one. Number one. We, we have to talk about the Super Bowl we and do. the halftime performance and, of course, Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift and, All right. and everything that goes along with it. They're saying but, it's the most watched televised thing of all time, which is not true. The, the moon landing was more watched. The moon landing had 150 million, according to... My well, which, which is not to poo-poo on this, what, what happened on no. Sunday, because I know for a fact that it was the, I know for a fact that it was the first um, football game that I watched from start to finish. I know that you watched the football game from start to finish as well, which is something that- is Never very, watched one before in why, my life. Why yeah. did y'all watch it? I, for some reason, I just, first of all, I love that Patrick Mahomey boy. I think he's so cute. I think he's adorable. I wa- Every time Travis Kelsey is on the show, uh, you get a flash of him. I, I was excited. Um, okay. Waiting to see Taylor. Bearing the headline. I watched it for Taylor. I was checking her jet all the way back from Canada mm-hmm. Airport in Tokyo, landing at LAX in a somewhat fictional created rush against time because she had plenty of time. <laughs> plenty of time. But it was very exciting. And, and, you know, I think they missed a trick because they really should have just had a Taylor cam and maybe yeah. done it as a live. That's what Paramount Plus should have done. Instead of trying to stream the game and having all those crashes, they should have just had a premium pay five bucks extra oh, yeah. Taylor cam just to stay on that box. Because well, I, I, 
that would have probably sold out because I feel like the reason that it, it is the most watched is because of Taylor Swift and all well, the definitely. little girls There's watching. no two ways about it. That yeah. she ha- Not only is she handed the NFL the comeback, remember, because all the Republicans were going to stop with boycott what the NFL because Trump said it was no cool and not cool anymore. And Colin Kaepernick ruined it for everyone. This is one of the best comebacks I've ever seen. The fact that, that Taylor riles up the Republican base like nobody else is mm-hmm. fascinating to me. I do want to talk a little bit about the, the halftime show, though, because um, Usher, <laughs> I mean, I I am not the target audience. I was not. I was a little underwhelmed. But apparently you have to be you have to have been in high school or college when Yeah came out. Blake. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> well, like, I don't understand why, like, Usher as the Super Bowl halftime in 2005, yes, but, like, not... No, 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 because they always, they always get people a little past their prime, and they give mm. them their, their, you know, their, their flowers. Rihanna is not past her prime. Rihanna as a singer is past her prime. Yes. How dare, not, how dare you, Madonna? No, Rihanna, Rihanna is a global brand you. ambassador for her Fenty brand, but she's not a singer anymore, and she will never put out another song again as long as she lives. She's just not. I don't believe she that. hasn't put out anything in ten years, and it's not she coming for another that, ten years. She put out the Top Gun song or whatever. Oh, she did not. Your line, Black, anyway. Black Panther. Black Panther. Oh, you're making this up. Um, the interesting thing to me, though, was that I learned. Fake <laughs> news. Usher was paid six hundred and seventy-one dollars to perform at the at the Super Bowl, but he will make a hundred million dollars on streaming alone. So it's one of those back end deals. Well, and he worked. just got he got engaged at least, and at most, maybe secret married this weekend too. Well, I, you know, I've heard that he he went to um, uh, Justin Bieber on bended knees, begging him to be in it. And and Bieber said he wasn't feeling it. So he didn't join. But I I mean, the show itself is it's you know, there's no way you can fuck it up. It's 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 built in. It's baked in that you're going to do a fantastic job. I do think it's weird that the reason that it was such a success this year is due to Taylor Swift, but not that she was the halftime. Person, yeah, you know? yeah, it's true. Yeah, she doesn't even need to perform in order to be the star right. of, uh, yeah. But I, I mean, but you had Usher on roller skates. He takes his shirt off. He looks fantastic. He has I, all these. I thought you know, it was very he's, mad. he's hitting that bum note that then you heard that they edited it out in the in the since then. Have you heard this? No. Um, you know the first note that she sings is like, <laughs> and everyone's like, "What is wrong with Alicia Keys?" But then it microphone in, in every YouTube video of it, she's not. She doesn't do that. They've edited it out and changed. They they've rewritten history because she was she was like a cat in heat is what it sounded like, <laughs> like something you hear in an alleyway at three in the morning. Just <laughs> awful, dear God in heaven. You know, I' so glad they won. Whoever, whatever that team is, the Chiefs. Like, yes, the, thank you. Because if they hadn't, Taylor would have been blamed, like from here to Kingdom Come. Well, yeah, but I don't. <laughs> I have a feeling that when you have the power of Taylor on your, because he had his Travis has had his best year ever. I think that there's just so much. Oh energy focused on them that there was no way that they could lose it was just one inevitable oh, James, they so clearly nearly did i mean that was what was the most uh, unbelievable the overtime of overtime yeah yeah yes, yes. but then well, I, I i think patrick mahomes though is, is the true star i think he's so cute he did you see him in disneyland the next day 
I did know. Have you seen his little dad bod? Do you know who I'm talking about, Patrick Mahomes? No, I don't really. He's the know. quarterback. He's he's the MVP, and he uh he has a little dad bod, and he was um took his shirt off the other day, and he was like, underneath the fat here are the abs, and he was like pointing. It was just really cute. He's just wonderful. Well, speaking of overtime, we are. Well, wait, 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 Mary. We did. I did this with Blake earlier. Mary, fuck, kill Patrick Mahomey, uh, Tra- uh, Travis Kelsey, or, or, or um, Taylor Swift. Who are you going to do, Benton? What, what what do I have to do? Mary, fuck, kill one of them. Oh, Mary Taylor, of course. That's, That's what I said. said. James I said, said Bill Mary Taylor. I, I clearly wasn't thinking straight. What did you say? Fuck Travis, Mary, Mary Patrick, and kill Taylor, which I wasn't thinking because Taylor has the closet and the gin the jets and the only kill Taylor if you're in the will. <laughs> all right, that's all we are in overtime here. So thank you, James. Thank you, Blake. And thank you out there for listening. Same time, same place next week. That's Until right. then, go out and do something that makes the world go. Wow.